Fight Podcast, hosted by Sergio Vicente. The Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats is a Chicago-based healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company. They deliver healthy, organic, custom meals directly to your home or office. For those of you not in Chicago, Sage Eats also offers online fitness mentoring where your personal fitness mentor will send you four weeks worth of workouts that are customized to your body and your goals. Your mentor is available seven days a week to answer questions and offer support. Sign up for Sage Eats at W www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Now here's your host of the FIGHT podcast, Sergio Vicente. Happy Tuesday, good people, and welcome to episode 75 of the Fight Podcast. I'm your host, Serge Vicente, and yo, we got a good show for you guys today, man. Um, <laughs> we have today, we're going to go ahead and bless you guys with all the fight news of the week. We're also going to go ahead and break down UFC 234. So uh, that one's going to be really, really fly. I cannot wait to break that down. Also, we're going to talk about Javante Davis, um, his fight this weekend as well. But before we get to that, man, the Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente. Support the show. Check me out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Subscribe. Listen rate share we're on itunes soundcloud spotify stitcher and everywhere your podcasts live boom all right good people man um i hope you guys are having a good week man right when i actually thought that uh we're gonna go ahead and get a break from this weather i woke up today and it was like a balmy 35 i was like yo i took my dog for a nice walk nico was happy you know took him for that walk and um right now i'm sitting here and there's an ice storm coming in chicago man we just had negative 50 degrees last week it bounced up it was literally 100 degrees warmer in chicago was it yesterday from where it was last wednesday and um and now we have an ice storm coming so look what can i do it's uh chicago and what they say here man if you don't like the weather just go ahead and wait five minutes and uh it's really felt like that but yo man it's a beautiful evening here aside from the uh the storm um i just sat back and i was listening to that whole state of the union and everything and after a while man all of that conversation sounds exactly the same man and you know what I don't understand about the State of the Union and those like political conversations and stuff? Why are these mugs doing the wave in there every five seconds? I swear, every two seconds. You're not that jazzed about what Buddy has to say. Look, I felt the same way when Obama was in office. It's the same thing. Like, yo, just because you like what Buddy says, it's one of the corniest looking things in the world, man. Uh, Watching them jump up and down and do that. But it was cool. I sat down with a nice glass of vino and, you know, a J and I had a good time, man. It was a, a nice time watching it. But, dude, this week. 
Now, granted, I'm not going to stunt the the fight card itself. And I can't wait to break it down. We're going to go ahead and be in Australia. The UFC is back in Australia. And you know what? One thing I didn't even realize is that some of actually not even some of the biggest sellout in pay-per-view history or in Chesse in um, UFC history. So the largest attendance, the largest gate ever in uh, UFC history was actually in Australia, man. It was in Melbourne, Australia, when Holly Holm went ahead and kicked Ronda Rousey's face completely off and uh they have a an incredible man truly have an incredible um combat sports legacy there um some of the best kickboxers in the world come out of there and look man now it seems like mma is really starting to follow suit and they have some monsters down there i mean the the fight is headlined by robert whitaker um he fights out of sydney australia himself and uh he's fighting kelvin gastelum for the 185 pound middleweight chip and then we had the co-main event, one of my personal favorites. And I know, I know, I know. I feel like I do say it all the time, man. And yes, I have a lot of favorites, man. I enjoy fights. I enjoy fighters. And every time we get to see somebody who's really breaking the mold and really making a path for their own selves and, and has all the skill set, man, I'm, I'm always a fan. So Israel Stylebender Adesanya, should I say the last Stylebender, um, is going to go ahead and compete against the man, the myth, the legend, Anderson Silva. So I'm going to go ahead and break those fights down, but there's so much news this week, and we're going to go ahead and start fighting news off with another one of my favorites, Daniel Cormier. The champ champ, actually, he's not the champ champ anymore. He is just the UFC heavyweight champion, the former UFC light heavyweight champion as well. He recently um, gave up his belt uh, pretty much just because he was not defending it at the time. And the UFC wanted John Jones to get the belt. So um, he is now currently the UFC heavyweight champion. And a lot of people have been the media. I've heard the media say it, but more than anything else. The man that he defeated to go ahead and win the chip, Stipe Miocic, who is the most decorated champion in UFC heavyweight history. He has more heavyweight title defenses than the rest of them. More than Cain Velasquez, more than Frank Mir, more than Shane Carwin, more than Brock Lesnar, more than all of them. You know what I'm saying? More than Nogueira Brothers, all of them. So... Stipe's been pissy, man. He's been super pissy because he feels as if he deserves a title shot. He deserves a rematch with Daniel Cormier after Daniel Cormier went ahead and starched him, knocked him out in the first round. Um, Daniel Cormier, for those of us who didn't see the fight, um, the fight itself was an entertaining round. The fight lasted about three minutes. Both men had their moments, but Daniel Cormier was the one that landed the biggest shot. He's the one that went ahead and finished the fight. So ever since then, Stipe's been saying it's a fluke. He was like, there's no way in hell that he's like, if I fight 99 out of 100 times, he was like, if we fight 100 times, I win 99 of them. I'm the greatest hit, even to the point, if you look at Buddy's IG, not his IG, his Twitter, his Twitter still says the greatest heavyweight champion in the world. 
Which, look, man, I, I understand the confidence. You have to have that bravado, man. We're fighters. If you're a fighter, man, you, you don't ever want a fighter to sit there and be like, man, well, that guy probably is better than me. Because if that's how you feel, you probably don't belong in there. So, look, I understand what he feels. Now, people have also been sitting there saying, look, he needs a title shot because he defended it so many times. And there's a whole there's a whole plethora of different things. But in the time, because this fight happened last July, Daniel Cormier has since fought. Since then, he actually defended his championship against uh, Derek Lewis, the Black Beast. And um, we haven't seen Stipe. Stipe said he's actually not going to take a fight unless it's for the championship. So he's been going back and forth. And actually, it's actually really funny that we're talking about this. Um, The first thing I'm going to go ahead and talk about, I'm going to talk about Stipe. And like I said, Stipe says he owes me this one. And Stipe wants the UFC heavyweight title back. And there's no doubt about it, man. Um, It's almost been like an obsession the way since UFC 226, he really wants this shot. But Stipe, one of the wild things about it, super interesting, right? He said that he actually values even more than getting his belt back. He values getting a rematch with Daniel Cormier. Hmm. So when he was asked by Mark Ramundi of MMAfighting.com, he said, oh, yeah, 100%. It's everything. Just because I know I'm the better fighter. I believe I'm the better fighter in my heart. And so check this out. I'm not, again, I'm not upset that he feels that way. You're supposed to feel that way. But he's also saying that he now has more motivation than ever because now he has a kid. And look, I'm not mad at that. That's what a lot of people say after that. Um, How do I feel about it? I'm a little torn. I understand his position. Look, man, if I lost my title, I'd want it back too. And I'd want to get that L back. But my issue with Stipe is the way he's going about it. And the funny thing about that is after this article came out, which was actually last night. The man, the myth, Daniel Cormier, went ahead and actually clapped back on Twitter. And this is what Daniel had to say. Daniel goes on Twitter and says, do you guys want to know why I'm not giving Stipe Miocic his fight again? Reason number one, and this is on Twitter, he's being entitled. Why have I fought since and he hasn't? He lost the fight. Is he still the champ? Valid reason, right? Okay. So reason number two, I'm hurt. That makes sense. I wouldn't fight somebody either if I was hurt. All right, let's go to his third reason. And reason number three, how do I do it better? I beat him in a round last time. An injury has kept Cormier from competing since the win over Lewis, and Miocic hasn't been booked to fight since losing to Cormier. Daniel Cormier makes valid points. Look, man, Stipe is coming off as entitled. Because if he was healthy, he feels that he deserves a shot. If he didn't get that shot... What he should have done is go out there, beat the number one contender, even if it's somebody he's already fought. 
You're supposed to go out there as the champ. If you're really that guy, he's supposed to go out there, scuff buddy, and then demand his title shot. Get some buzz about it. And here's the thing about Stipe. And look, and this is something that I actually was already going to go ahead and bring up. But why is it that Stipe is not such a like character in the UFC? Why doesn't he have more fanfare? Why don't I ever hear about him? Stipe's a good dude. He's funny. He's a family man. Yo, buddy's a hero. He's a fireman. He's a current fireman. He doesn't give up his job to go ahead and train. So this is what I look at it. Stipe needs a new PR team because they have advised him entirely wrong. DC's 100% correct. Why would I fight you? I'm not getting paid enough to fight you. I did what I had to do. I fought you. I whooped your ass. And then I already defended my belt. Stipe needs a new PR team. He is the most decorated champ in the UFC. Their heavyweight history. And like I said, he has actually a great personality. Dude's hilarious. He cracks jokes. He's like a man's man. There's no reason why he isn't big. So it brings me to this. Yo, Stipe, if you're out there, if you just so happen to be listening to the fight podcast, yo, fire Greg, what is it? Greg Kalikas? Fam, this is how you know your manager isn't that great. These are the people that are supposed to be handling your business. I looked this dude up on IG. I looked him up on Twitter. I looked him up on Facebook. I looked him up on Google. Buddy is a ghost. He is nowhere to be found. You see random like quotes from him. But how is it that I he, I'm supposed to, he, he is supposed to represent this great champion, but he's not putting him out there. Stipe, you need to go to anybody else first round management handles so many great fighters in the ufc they're the ones that actually handle john jones if they can spin it and make john jones who consistently cheats left and right hits pregnant ladies in the car breaks their arms runs back gets his drug money keeps it pushing if he can go ahead and actually make john jones still a huge character Somebody that people still want to see. He's still making him a draw. You need to go to somebody like that. This is why Stipe is correct. Stipe, I mean, I say it's not Stipe. DC is correct. Stipe is entitled, but he's entitled because he has trash management. And I'm, I'm be honest with you. He will not end up being, honestly, unless, actually, I don't believe he'll ever be champion again. I don't. Cain Velasquez, in my personal opinion, the actual greatest heavyweight champion of all time, is now back. And I personally don't think Stipe can beat him. And here's another thing, too, if you really think about it. Cain Velasquez isn't just as stoic and quiet. He's actually more quiet than Stipe is. I didn't even know Cain spoke until like two weeks ago. 
But now that we actually realize, but we still want to see him because we appreciate his skill set and he has that quiet assassin thing going. But here's the thing. His team markets him beautifully. And that's the difference. That's the difference. And that's why Stipe, I don't care what you're saying. Yes, you have the credentials. But at the end of the day, nobody wants to see you compete. The hardcores do. I do. I truly enjoy watching him compete. But if the pay-per-view numbers, the pay-per-view numbers aren't made by hardcores like myself. They're made by the casual fans. Why do you think Conor McGregor is such a big star? Because the casual fans love him. And that's what Stipe needs to get, man. So look, 100%, man, I'm with DC on this one. Um, <laughs> moving on, man. Um, keeping with Stipe's buddy, Stefan Thompson. Um, he is a 170-pound fighter, two-time title challenger at a at welterweight. Uh, Stefan Thompson, Wonder Boy, is one of my favorites, man. He He's great. Yes, I know. I said it again. He's one of my favorites, but um, he's super entertaining. He's come on some hard times as of late. He actually has a fight coming up in March against um, Anthony Pettis, which I'm really looking forward to. But in regards to this weekend's fight card, he was recently asked if Israel Adesanya versus Anderson Silva will be a good fight. And his response was this, and this is from Stephen Thompson. To be honest with you, I don't think he'll be competitive. I mean, from watching Anderson Silva's last few fights, he just wasn't the same. I think whenever he broke his leg, when he fought Weidman, it took a lot out of him. I think he was out for a really long time, and he just doesn't, I don't know. I don't know if he doesn't have the drive or his timing like he used to have. He just felt very slow and just didn't have the timing like he used to. I think Israel's going to go out there and school him. I mean, it would be cool. I think it'd be very cool to see Anderson, him being the veteran, going out there and just finishing him. That would definitely put a smile on my face, but I don't see it happening. This is um, Wonder Boy was actually on the MMA Hour with Luke Thomas, and he actually said this. And my question was this when I first saw it was like, yo, does he have a point? I had to ask myself, does Wonder Boy have a point? And I'm going to break this fight, this fight down a little later on in the show. But. You know what? I'm going to give you guys a little assessment of what I, how I feel about this fight already. Does Steven Thompson have a point? Man, hell yeah, he has a point. Absolutely, he has a point. Anderson Silva, with a record of 34-8 and eight in one no contest, is 1-4 in his last five fights. I'm sorry, he's 1-4 with one no contest in his last six fights. And this is and the one the one no contest that he had. He actually popped for PDs, and that was against Nick Diaz. This all happened, so he's 1-4, one no contest since he lost that first fight to Chris Weidman. So Wonderboy has a point. When you really break it down and you really think about it, when have we seen Anderson look like Anderson? Fam, Anderson hasn't looked like Anderson since I saw him beat up Stefan Bonner. 
That was like five years ago. So he 100% has a point. So what do I actually believe is going to happen? And I will revisit it. I'll do a little bit more of a breakdown. And look, when I do my full breakdown, I am going to give Anderson a little bit more credit. And you know what? Forget it. I'll, I'll do it right now. This fight is the co-main event for this card this weekend. And I know I'm mixing it up, but it, it was in the fight news. So I want to go ahead and kind of dip, deep dive into it. And again, I will address it a little bit more later on. Anderson Silva is a legend in the game. Israel Adesanya is what happens when the game evolves. Um, Israel Adesanya is 15-0, 13 KOs in his super young MMA career. But check this out. And this is something that I think a lot of people don't take into account. People look at his record and they're saying, oh man, look how many more fights Anderson has than him. Anderson, no matter what, he has the experience does he? Do, I mean, we can say, yeah, in MMA he does, but listen to this. Stylebender's kickboxing record, because remember, he actually came from kickboxing first, is 75. I said it all loud, my bad. Oh, 75 and four with 27 KOs on his record. That's ridiculous. So he has the experience. He has the technique. He has the skill set to do it. Now, when I look back at Anderson Silva and I actually think about, um, and I've been watching his, his open workouts. I've been watching everything leading up to the fight um, because don't get it twisted, yo. I'm, a, I'm an Anderson fan. How could you not be growing up loving MMA? Watching him when he was fighting in London in cage rage. Finally, Kona to the UFC, knocking out Chris Lieben in the very first round with one of the nastiest combinations ever. Watching him win the belt by just completely dismantling Rich Franklin. Yo, he rearranged Buddy's face, literally. If you get an opportunity to check it out, watch that first fight with him and Rich Franklin. And don't get to twist it. Yo, Rich Franklin is no punk. He squished Buddy's nose in like nothing I've ever seen before. And looking at what he's doing leading up to this fight, he really does look good. He looks like he has great timing. Crispy punches. Looks beautiful on the pads. But he looks beautiful on the pads. He looks beautiful. In pra- We're talking about practice. Practice we're talking about. When I actually look at the fights and when I look at his last six outings, Wonder Boy makes a point. It hasn't been the same Anderson. So what do I believe is actually going to happen? Israel Adesanya and Anderson Silva do have a couple similarities. They're incredible strikers. They do a phenomenal job of actually using their range and distance. They keep the other fighter on the outside and they're able to pretty much be snipers and knock people out from the outside. Using their athleticism, their timing, and most importantly, these are the two most 
if not the two most, two of the most creative fighters in combat sports history. Two of the most, I'm not going to say the most, but they're up there. When you're able to go ahead and watch these dudes and actually watch what they're doing in the way that they're breaking down their um, their opponents. Um, Anderson Silva went ahead and again, I'll talk about cage rage again. He was able to go ahead and knock out and I can't think of the gentleman's name, but uh, this is before he got into UFC. He knocked out one of his opponents with an up elbow. Yo, that doesn't happen. But here's the difference in their game. Anderson Silva tends to play around. Israel Adesanya comes to get you. He's smooth. He's creative. He's flowing when he's doing it. But when he plays, he's out of range. The reason Anderson Silva went ahead and lost that first fight to Chris Weidman is because he was dicking around. Acting like he was hurt doing stuff, he felt he was invincible. Stylebender doesn't do that. Stylebender doesn't play games like that. And that's why I thoroughly believe that Stylebender is going to go ahead and knock out Anderson Silva in the second round. I'm be honest with you, he is going to embarrass Anderson Silva. Serge, that's disrespectful. It's Anderson. And if he knocks him out, that's disrespectful. Blah, 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 blah. No, it's not. If he goes out there and deals with Anderson Silva the way I believe he is, that is the highest form of flattery that you can have for a legend. You don't give the legends any breaks because they're legends for a reason. He's going to go out there, do his due diligence. And again, I've talked about this all the time. He's about to get that championship rub. He's about to get that legendary rub. And I'm talking about Stylebender, Israel Adesanya. Once he's able to go ahead and get that rub, he will be one of the biggest stars in the UFC. And he will fight for the title. I guarantee you he's going to end up getting the winner of Whitaker and, um, and Gastelum, which I'll break down in a little bit. I cannot wait for this fight. And look, I know I said Anderson's going to get scuffed, but still, it's going to be a good time. <laughs> that bell says, check it out. We're going to have to take a little break to go ahead and uh, pay some bills. So with that being said, the fight podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Um, so, Serge, what's fitness mentoring? Fitness mentoring is you have an assigned coach that comes, writes your four-week workout plan for you, emails it to you, and then is there weekly as your accountability coach. They develop programs specifically for your needs. Specifically for your needs, your goals, and they will be with you step by step to make sure you get it. You get a coach without the hassle of having somebody yelling at you in the gym. We know that all sucks. So Sage Eats takes that out of it for you. Sign up today and you get 15% off your uh, your your membership with Sage Eats. Um, remember, Sage Eats. 
you can sign up for at sageschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT uh, to get your discount. Also, remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente. Support the show. Check us out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Subscribe, listen, rate, share. The Fight Podcast is available now everywhere your podcasts live. So go ahead, check us out, and let everybody know. All right. We still have some fight news for us today. Um, former lightweight champion and um, still one of the best fighters in the world, Rafael Dos Anjos, calls out Conor McGregor. So this was via Twitter, and he said this in response to a Conor McGregor tweet when after Conor McGregor watched um, Jose Aldo Jr. fight this past weekend, he made a couple comments saying that he would love to go ahead and actually fight in Brazil. Rafael Dos Anjos responds and says this, Conor, we have we have unfinished business. We got close to getting it done twice. You picked the welterweight class. You picked the weight class. Hashtag RDA. Hashtag Brazil. Hashtag Jesus first. Um, and it was in response, like I said, to Connor's tweet. And Connor said, what an amazing atmosphere at UFC Brazil tonight. I would love to compete there for all the passionate Brazilian fans at some stage of my career. I was so close to securing a bout in Rio last year. It was essentially a done deal. Maybe next time I'm still here. So he said, Uva Moret. So it's pretty much in Portuguese. They're saying, You gonna die. And that's actually what they chant uh, to anyone who's actually fighting against the Brazilian when you're there. Um, can this fight actually happen? Remember, man, this was actually supposed to be the headliner for UFC 196. That was March 2016 at the MGM Grand in Vegas. And RDA had to pull out for an injury. Look, man, that happens. It's the fight game, especially in MMA, man. People get hurt. It's, it's neither here nor that. But one of the worst things that ever probably happened to RDA, Nate Diaz stepped in. And after Nate stepped in... Man, the rest is history. We got one of the greatest um, rivalries of all time. We got one of the greatest fight cards of all time. And I believe that's still the highest selling pay-per-view of all time as well. UFC 196. If it's not number one, it's like number two. So can this happen? Yes. Will it happen? Mm. Probably not. Um, I personally don't see Conor McGregor taking that risk uh, to fight him. Would I watch it? Hell yeah, I'd watch it 100%. But I think, especially at this point in time, RDA poses one too many problems. He's already at 170 pounds. He's comfortable now also at 170 pounds. And he's personally a stylistic match, a nightmare for Conor McGregor. He's great on the ground. He's very durable and he has a gas tank. All three of those things are things that Conor McGregor do not mix. It's like oil and water, fam. It's not a good look. So um, this would be awesome. But look, man, I I think um, unfortunately, RDA, you miss your shot, buddy. It's a done deal now. So it's not going to happen. All right. Um, Tamer, Jason Tamer, who actually lost to Charles Oliveira this past, um, 
Saturday. Um, actually suffered a broken orbital bone in the finishing sequence against Charles Oliveira. So Charles Oliveira hit David Tamer with an inverted elbow uh, this past Saturday night. And again, it was right before he ended up sinking in the Anaconda that ended up finishing the fight. Um, that actually went ahead and increased Oliveira, Oliveira's UFC record for the for submissions um, because he already has that submission um, record and saw and uh, Tamer unfortunately saw his eight fight win streak broken by that. Um, Tamer is pretty much saying that that is the reason he ended up getting stopped. As soon as he said, as soon as his eye hit, he like lost focus and ended up getting choked out. Um, it's unfortunate for Damon Tamer, but this is what I want to bring up. And this is why I want to talk about this. Yo, how good can Charles Oliveira get? And has he reached his potential? Yes and no. I think he can still get better. David Tamer is an up and coming young dude, and that's an impressive victory for him. But Oliveira, with a record of 26 and 8, won no contest, has 18 submission wins on his record. But all of his losses are honestly to all of the elite fighters that he's actually competed against. Jim Miller, when Jim Miller's in his prime, he ended up getting that fight back. But it's after Jim. Jim Miller hasn't been Jim Miller for like three years. So I don't put as much credence on that. When Jim Miller was a man, he scuffed Buddy. All right, who else? Cowboy Cerrone beat him. Cub Swanson beat him. Anthony Pettis beat him. Hakaro Lamas beat him. Paul Felder beat him. And the man, Max Holloway beat him. Blessed. So every time he's actually gone against one of the best of the best in his division, he's lost. Frankie Edgar also scuffed him. So when you look at that, do I believe he can get better? Yes, he's still young in the game, um, even though he does have a lot of fights. But he's at lightweight now. He can't be Khabib. But the person he called out, I think, would be an entertaining fight. I still think he'd lose. But who did he call out? He called out Kevin Lee. It's a great call out. Kevin Lee just lost to um, Ally Quinta, the baddest real estate agent in the land. And it would be an entertaining match. But I totally believe that Kevin Lee would just be too much. He's too elite. And um, honestly, man, if I look at his history, he hasn't been able to beat the big one. And um, I don't see it happening anytime soon. So, look, I got love for Buddy. But honestly, at the end of the day, it's not going to happen. All right, moving on. Um, Amanda Nunes, the, in my personal opinion, she is the goat of the female division, um, goat of female MMA, and she's actually considering retirement after a potential fight with Holly Holm. Holly Holm, as we know, I talked about a little earlier in the show, she's the one that ended up getting, she's a former 135 pound champion, and she's also the one who knocked Ronda Rousey's face off originally. So, this is what Amanda Nunes had to say, um, and this was actually on uh, MMAJunkie.com. She went and said, I went home to see my family and stay with them a little bit, um, and my mom said, I think you should retire. 
Thanks, mom. Um, You've done everything in this sport already. You've got everything you want. You're a double champion. I feel like you should take a little bit. Maybe if you want to fight one more time and take a little break. Maybe after a long break, come back and fight one more time on some GSP. But I like feel you should. I think a little bit. We'll see with this next stage what's going on. I'm a little bit tired of all the big fights. What the hell? Everyone is happy and glad and proud that I did all and dude. I mean, I hate that they write it out like in all broken English like she was talking. But look, I'm, we're, bear with me. We're going to get through this. <laughs> she said, um, everyone is happy and glad and proud that I did all that I want. A little break to get a family and focus on Nina's career. OK, so she's saying that she wants to go ahead and have a family with her girlfriend. And I believe it's her fiance now, Nina Ansaroff, who is a 115 pound monster in the UFC. She actually just beat Claudia Gedalia a couple months ago great win for her i actually didn't see that happening so she says we'll see i say those things but you know how fighting is we get involved so much and then we want to do it again we'll see i'm looking for this fight with holly for sure and i'm ready for the call so first and foremost look if she goes out there and beats holly home which she can absolutely do there is not even a question. She's beaten every great fighter in female MMA history. Everybody who you thought might have been the best of the best, she ran through. Think about it. Ronda Rousey, TKO. Um, Chris Cyborg, TKO. Shevchenko, the current 125-pound champion, beat her twice. Dude. If she beats um, Holly Holm, man, who else is there? So the question is, and again, should she retire? 100% yes. And the reason I say that is this. Does she have a lot of fight left in her? I believe she does. But the moment fighters begin talking like this, they're already done. When you have a foot out the door, man, there are people that are actually hungry and want it. There's still sharks out there that she hasn't fought. We might not know them yet, but yo, they're out there because people are looking at her and they have her circled and they're like, that's the chick I want to beat up her. I want to take what she has. If she gets to the point that now she's like, oh, I don't know. I want to have a family. I want to hang out. I beat everybody. Look, she doesn't even want to give Chris Cyborg an opportunity. And I know I was just pretty much vying for a DC and saying he shouldn't have to give uh, Stipe a rematch. But the difference is the way that they acted. Chris Cyborg right off the bat was like, nope. Respect to, uh, to Amanda. She got me today. I want to be able to get it back. I respect that. But Amanda was quick to say, nope, sorry. We done. I'm not fighting you again. I think that's trash. It's super trash. It actually, I'm not saying she totally lost favor with me with that, but with that, it was definitely one of those things that I was kind of like, yo, Amanda, I expect more. And unfortunately, I do feel like she has people in her ear, her family, Nina, you know, Nina, Nina wants her, her shot too. Nina's been in the background. She wants to be in the forefront and I understand it. And 
I don't know the relationship. I'm not trying to speculate. But look, I could 100% see her sitting there and be like, yo, Ma, let me get some of this shine. Let me get this love. I'm dope too. I fight. So we'll see, man. We'll see what happens. But I'm going to be very honest with you. Um, If this is the way she's already feeling, if this is the way that she is, if her heart's not in the game anymore, if she has one foot in, one foot out, Dana White says it all the time. If you have, this is not a game. You can't play fighting. MMA is not a game you play with. You have to be all the way in or all the way out. Look, man, that's honestly why I stopped competing. I wasn't all the way in. I got sick. I had, dude, I was 25 years old and I had, I got cancer. So because of that is I had to take two years off. By the time it came back, I had a company. I was still training, but it was like, oh, do I want to put myself through this? Can I put my body through this? And I chose to go ahead and do this. I still, I still train every day. I still want to be involved. But I already knew in the back of my head. It's like I, if I was thinking that in the back of my head, there are other people out there that aren't. There are people out there that are savages. I wish I had that Danny Jacobs in me that came back from cancer was like, I'm still there. I still got it. Granted, he was already a pro at that time. I wasn't. I'm not comparing myself to the man, but I'm just using myself as an example to say, look, I knew I had a foot out. If I have a foot out, man, you have to go because you will get beat up otherwise. And look, man. I ain't trying to be out here shaky and stuff at 40 years old, man. Forget that. So I'm really interested to see what's going to happen. But I would love to see Amanda Nunes fight Holly Holm. I think that's an incredible fight. Um, I still think Amanda wins. All that stuff I said, I still think she wins. (laughs) Um, But yo, that is fight news for the week um i kept a little bit uh mma heavy today because um brandon camille is gonna come back this week and he and i are gonna go ahead and break down all the boxing news of the week um but keeping along the same lines with boxing and definitely i'm gonna rotate back to mma but this weekend javante davis goes ahead and gets his uh his shot um again this week he's gonna go ahead and and, uh, defend his chip and um look abner Mates pulled out i was looking forward to him fighting abner Mates, and now he is not and um so he's gonna go out there and um compete against two-time title challenger hugo ruiz hugo ruiz is 39 and 4 33 ko's look buddy's a tough dude man um javante davis Tank, 20-0, 19-KOs, and he is defending his WBA 130-pound title. Um, Look, man, uh, Hugo Ruiz is actually, I said he's a former title challenger. He's actually a former world champion. Dude is tough, very tough years old, 32 years old. Uh, Javante Davis is super young and explosive. He's 24. Uh, Javante Davis is a southpaw. And um, Hugo Ruiz is orthodox. So looking at the fight, again, it should be entertaining. 
but it's going to be entertaining because I thoroughly believe Javante Davis is one of the best that we've seen in a long time, um, especially at lightweight. He's going to, and I thoroughly expect him to get Hugo Ruiz, who is taking this fight on, honestly, about 10 days notice. I see him by the fifth round getting him out of there. Um, I think he's going to be too explosive. I think being an, an extremely unorthodox um, southpaw with huge power and speed is going to be a little bit too much for um, for Hugo Ruiz, man. Um, I wish the man the best, but at the end of the day, I, I absolutely see... Um, <laughs> I see Tank winning this, and after he wins this, he can really start making noise, and I would thoroughly expect him to start calling out guys like Lomachenko. Me, personally, that's the fight that I want to see, but I know as a trainer, as his promoters, why would you put him into that position yet? Build him up a little bit more, a little bit more, um, maybe get two more fights, and then you get the Loma fight. Uh, but there's other guys out there, Devin Farmer's calling him out a lot, should I say Devin Farmer's calling him out. So there's a lot of guys who are actually calling Buddy out. We'll see what ends up happening, um, but it should be a good fight. The undercard, mm, I'm, I'm not that impressed, so no real big names on the other card, so I'm not even going to worry about it, but... This Saturday, we still got some more heat, uh, and it's coming from the UFC, man. The UFC pay-per-view. This is going to be the first pay-per-view in the um, in the in the ESPN era, which is crazy, man. It's even just saying that the uh, that they're in a UFC era now. The UFC is in ESPN is great, but this is the first time they're actually in. It's the first pay-per-view event that they've had in the air so we'll actually see how it goes um you can tell man ever since they've been with espn they've changed a lot yo their their website's a lot better and and you know um more interactive um the they're doing a lot of great stuff even on youtube just the content looks so much better and i actually fully expect to actually watch this card and i feel like the production of this card is going to be even better than what we've seen in the past uh, and i'm really looking forward to that so this card is headlined by Robert Whittaker, the champion at 185 pounds, the middleweight champion. And he's fighting the number four ranked Kelvin Gastelum. Robert Whittaker is a minus 265 favorite um, against Kelvin Gastelum. Kelvin Gastelum is a plus 215. Um, this fight should be a good one, man. Just going over some of the numbers and the matchups. Again, we're looking at it. Robert Whittaker is 21 and 4 against Kelvin Gastelum, who is 15 and 3. Um, one obviously is from New Zealand, one's from the U.S. Um, there's a big height difference. Well, there is big enough. Um, Robert Whitaker is six feet. Kelvin's only 5'9". But check this out. Both men, the majority of their wins, almost 50% of both men's wins are by knockout. Only 25% of both men's wins are by, are by submission. And um, about 30% for uh, about 25 and 25, man. So these guys are pretty even when it knocks out that way. Without even looking at the numbers, man, how do I feel this fight plays out? They both have strengths. And I think the biggest question in watching this fight, at least the biggest question that I've been asking myself in the lead up to this fight is, what Robert Whitaker are we actually going to get? 
And the reason I say that is that his last two fights were against Yoel Romero. And after both fights, he had to take almost a full year off because he was so beat up and injured. His last fight with Yoel Romero, he actually took an ass whooping. I personally do not believe he won that fight. Because Yoel Romero landed and pretty much inflicted so much damage on the champion. So when you're actually going ahead and looking at him. And if someone's got that much damage, got dropped like five times in the fight. You never know if they're all the way back. He might be. He's super tough. Yo, buddy got like some mo in them. They're crazy. He might be totally fine. But it's a question mark for me. And I think it's a valid question mark. Now, we look at their skill sets. Again, both men, if we looked at it, are knockout punchers, right? They're both knockout artists. All right. What's going to happen with them? They do it differently. We're going to start with the champion. Robert Whitaker is somebody whom is extremely unorthodox. He has a martial arts background, um, not standard, like more so um, um, like karate. He has a karate-esque style, but he mixes it and blends it very well. He has great hips and he has the third highest takedown defense in middleweight history. Hard take him down. He refuses to give the position up and he's super tough. And one thing that he does, he actually lands punches from angles that people aren't accustomed to. People are accustomed to seeing their right hand, left hook, jab come out the exact same way every time. Robert Whitaker does a great job, especially when he throws his left hook. He does something that I haven't seen many people do. And honestly, most boxing coaches, if they actually saw this, they'd be like, yo, this is awful. What is he doing? But what he does is he actually chops with his left hook in the terms of that when he's actually throwing his left hook, his elbow is super high in the air and his knuckles are pointed down. Technically, that's wrong if we're actually thinking about boxing. But remember, it's not boxing. And he ends up knocking guys out because most people are prepared and have their hand where they expect that punch to go. But the way he, the angle that he throws from, which are more looping, he doesn't tend to throw straight shots. He throws looping shots. And in those looping shots, he's quick and he's explosive. And he has incredible power. So he's able to sneak a lot of punches in that I think people don't expect. And that's what's won him a lot of those fights. That's how he knocked out Brad Tavares. He also has a really, really, really sneaky um, uh, rear leg roundhouse to the head. And he does a lot with his. So when he's in his stance, he does a lot when he throws. He throws a real snapping front kick to the body, a la Anderson Silva, a la Conor McGregor. But even more so, the way Conor and Anderson throw it is that they actually kind of push and drive through. And they're like punching you in the stomach. The way Robert Whitaker does it, he flicks it. And he flicks it and he flicks it. It's more of a disrupting kind of a thing when he's keeping you to the body. 
But what he does is that he can fake it or he actually throws a different angle and whips the head kick around, around people's guard. And he pretty much fakes it. And that's how he actually knocked out Jacare Souza. So dude is an absolute killer. But I think Kevin Gastelum has his number. Why is that? Why do I think Kelvin has his number? And look, man, Kelvin is somebody who at one point in time, I wasn't a big fan of. But once I actually started watching him compete, I was like, why don't I like this dude? This dude is incredible. So what does Kelvin do differently than Robert Whittaker? Kelvin has incredible balance and and I love his rhythm. He has a great in and out rhythm where he's bouncing back and forth, extremely loose on his feet and real light on his feet. You never know the way he's bouncing if he's going to just keep with his rhythm, bouncing back and forth, or if he's going to break his rhythm and attack coming forward. One thing that he does well when he does that is he attacks coming forward and he has great dexterity and is actually waste. So what he'll do is he'll come in, hit you with two, boom, boom, and then he jumps back out. Then he's out of range. So what he does is he's out of range. He bounces in range and bounces right back out range. And that's how he actually knocked out former middleweight champion um, Michael Bisbing in their fight. And again, he's somebody else who has just incredible power. Um, Kelvin Gaslam, somebody also who is extremely tough and can take a shot. Think about all the people that he's been in there with. Jacare Souza, Tyron Woodley, Michael Bisbing, Vitor Belfort. All people who can lay you down. What did he do? How did he stop that from happening? Well, the way he ended up doing it is that he has just a beard on a man, a great chin, and he has actually pretty good head movement, good head movement, good footwork, and he throws crispy punches, straight punches down the barrel, and uh, he's coached by one of the greatest coaches in the game, coach, uh, should I say, Master Rafael Cordero at King's MMA, so he trains with RDA, he trains with... Um, with Uriah Hall. He trains with some of the best of the best. Um, and and he's also a uh, 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu black belt. I think that if you're going to win money at this card, you put your money on Kelvin Gastelum. He's the dog. And being that he's that underdog, I honestly think he's going to go ahead and you're going to go ahead and get that W with Kelvin Gaslam. I see him 100% being the new champion at um, at 185 pound middleweight. So um, I can't wait to see what's going to happen. The rest of the card, I'm going to be honest with you, eh, it doesn't do anything for me. Um, but I really wanted to go ahead and talk about um, the main event and the co-main event. Um, as you guys already heard my breakdown of the co-main event earlier, I think Stylebender is going to go ahead and make light work out of Anderson Silva. And then I would love to see at the end of the year, style Bender versus, uh, versus uh, Kelvin Gaslam for a championship. But if Kelvin loses and Robert Whitaker wins the matchup for 
Kelvin Gastelum, or should I say Robert Whitaker in Stylebender. They're both from New Zealand. They're both in the same part of the world. It will be a great matchup. And you can really sell that as well. In fact, this fight is in Melbourne and it's sold out in just 14 minutes. 14 minutes, man. They sold that fight card out. It's incredible, man. So um, they said they like beat the Rolling Stones. They were faster than the Rolling Stones. So put it like this. If uh, Robert Whitaker and Stylebender actually are the ones that um, are the ones that are uh, in the championship fight, 100%, man, they sell it out in like five minutes. Guaranteed. Um, but yo, with that being said, like, man, that's about all the time I have for today. That's about all the fight news and fight breakdowns that we have. I'm Serge Vicente. This is the Fight Podcast. Man, again, we have some really, really dope stuff still coming up this week. Um, Brandon Camille's back. We're going to break down all the boxing cards and give you some boxing news um, this week. Asatim Pyle, the number eight ranked featherweight glory fighter, um, is going to compete. And I got somebody else coming too this week. And I can't wait to go ahead and break that down for you guys. But... Um, Thank you all so much for listening. This is Serge Vicente, and thanks, guys, for joining me on episode 75 of the Fight Podcast. Um, The Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Um, Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast. And look, man, don't forget to show me a little love too go ahead and follow me at serge vicente support the show check us out on the website thank you guys so much for listening um i will be right back here next time for episode 76 on the fire podcast man yo thank you all so much for listening peace out